0: First service is 9 a.m. to 10 30, followed by our family service from 10 30 to 12 30. And now for the best part, let's get into the word.
1: Um so um let, let me go into the word of God. I know we are going to work and I'll be I'll be on time. Amen. I want to talk to us um, about the topic, oh Lord. Uh, what I'm going to talk about is that, Lord, remember me. My sermon this morning or encouragement or sharing is going to be, oh, Lord, remember me. Uh, wherever you are, if you're joining me, I want you to just say, oh, Lord, remember me make it a prayer not just oh lord remember me oh lord remember my nation not that the lord forgets the bible says bring me into remembrance and as we speak in line with the word of god in the name of jesus so um Mm -hmm. my my decree and declaration this morning to you is that this this very year this very month before even the end of this year this very month My declaration and decree is that the Lord Almighty will remember you in the name of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. The Lord will remember your your labor, and it's not going to be in vain in the name of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I declare over your life that the Lord will remember the labor of your love in the kingdom. Mm -hmm. There I was, uh, yesterday after service, um, um, you know, for me, I'm very observant. And, um, and I was like, after service, I was looking at a certain, a certain minister. Um, well, my father taught me in the Lord not, taught me always to appreciate when I see good things. And uh, this particular minister, I told him, I told them, you know, you, you surprise me. Uh, They were leaving after the ministration yesterday. They were leaving the uh, the church to go and minister to someone somewhere. And I looked at them and I told them, you know, that's why one of the things why I respect you, the way you give yourself to the people of God. Now, I happened to after um, the service to be taken out by a few men in our church and uh, a child also when we went out, um, as we were coming back, the gentleman that dropped me, and then he began to mention about his past. I said, that man of God, the way he dedicates himself to the work, the way he's giving himself to the work of God. Now, that really, and I see myself, and then I said, after we parted, I said to myself, if men can see, how about Jehovah God? Mm -hmm. If men can see. And so I want to encourage everyone of us here, if you're committed to doing the work of God, the Lord will remember your labor of love in the kingdom. I know. um, And I want you to know that, um, that your investment in the kingdom is not in vain. Even as you come here on this altar in the morning to cut short your sleep, you see, sacrifice moves the heaven. That sacrifice moves the heaven. So you may look at this altar, the time you wake up and come out of your bed and dedicate this time to the Lord. God is not a waster. and God honors whatever things are done with the right motive before God, those things, will always go ahead of you. They speak volumes in the realm of the spirit. Let me say this. Um, I had an encounter um, um, recent last year before I came to England um, while I was in Kenya. I had an encounter that lasted almost like six hours in my living room with the Lord Jesus. And in that encounter, the Lord appeared and told me something, Moses, I want to tell you, I want to show you why, why my children have negative dreams. And after having those negative dreams, or or, or I showed them about, um, or a city is going to be bombed or, or, something negative is going to happen, and then they wake up and cancel it, cancel it, but then it it still happens. And even if they cancelled it, why is it that to some, to some, it still happens? And I was like, how? I've always had this question I've been asking why. Then he told me, in the realm of the spirit, they don't have the authority, though they have I gave them the power and authority, but their life has not given them the authority to be able to command certain things. And I said, what do you mean? And they said, your lifestyle, the way you walk before me is what gives you authority in the realm of the spirit. Let me say like this. What does it mean, your lifestyle, your Christ-like character? And, um, and I'll make a statement um, in line with that. Normally I say that uh, victory begins with the name of Jesus Christ. For a Christian, victory begins with the name of Jesus Christ on our lips, but it is consummated by our Christ-like character. So our authority, You see, it's like Jesus says, many came and say, you know, demons say, Paul, we know, Jesus, we know. Paul, we know, Jesus, we know. Who are you? So when the the devil questions your authority in the realm of the spirit, it's because that your conformity into Christ-like character is weighed and found wanting. That's why spiritual maturity is not the amount of tongues we pray. Spiritual maturity is not measured by the greatness of our summons and um, administration, but it is measured by the conformity of a Christ-like character in our lives. Maturity is conformity to Christ-like likeness. Now it is to the degree that we, we conform to the likeness of the image of the son of God that our authority in the realm of the spirit is felt. And is exercised from that angle. Most of us know that to conform to Christ-like character, we have to die. And there, you go through a process of sacrificing, to, sacrificing, in the, the, Paul says I die daily, sacrificing the desires of the flesh, and that's where we find ourselves as a body of Christ that you find that um, uh, when we still talk about, as um, um, uh, a pastor was talking about, it's ungodly for us to walk, not to walk in the love of God as a body of Christ. And, uh, you know, many times we've prayed for the unity in the body of Christ and many times, <clears throat> pardon me, I tell people unity is not uniform- unity is not uniformity unity is conformity into Christ-like character. The reason we struggle with this unity is because a lot And if all of us were conformed, when we conform into the image of the Son of God, that conformity into Christ-like character, conformity in revelation and understanding of the knowledge of the Son of God, it brings us into unity as a body of Christ. And somebody will say, Okay, Apostle, um, where is the scripture for that? Um, if you can help me, there was a scripture in Ephesians chapter 4. Of course, Ephesians chapter 4, when we look at that scripture, chapter 4 um, um, and and verse 13 of Ephesians talks about us coming into unity of knowledge, unity of revelation, praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Um. Uh, It says that, uh, it says that um, if you've started from verse, of course, verse 11, but I want 13 is is my emphasis. And it goes and says, um, and he himself, Jehovah God, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, Verse 13, you see 13 says, till till we all, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Do we see our unity there? Do you see the unity? The unity of the body is understood in the it is understood by God as a conformity into the likeness of the Son of God. It is this conformity that brings us into unity. Where we differ, where the variance exists in in the knowledge, in the revelation of the Son of God, we begin to do what? We are divided. So what the church does when what most of us think as believers is unity, is uniformity, because we have eaten together, we have we've gone to the conference and we conference together, uniform, we do things uniformly, but we have not conformed in likeness. And that's why you find that um, a lot of people, when you find, I've had people and I, and, I, and I reserve my comments, you find them, I've had people before and say, you know, you know, that man of God, Pastor Chris Ayaklum is a cult, uh, you know, watch out them teachings that uh, are Robert guys teaching. And I'm thinking, what's wrong with these people? Why? Because most people, when, when the revelation of Christ is deeper, most people quickly come and reduce it and they, they bring it there quickly. What, they, what is not revealed to the carnal man is quickly, uh, quickly, um, summarizes it to to that's a cult that's this because we differ in revelation because we need to come to that place the bible says for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of christ till this body till we all come to the unity there is the unity of faith no matter how much the unity of the faith and this faith, faith of the Son of God, the unity of the, of the knowledge of the Son of God. Then he talks about to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Then he goes on to say, verse, you see, that's what we call maturity. The conformity to the likeness of the Son of God is what heaven knows as maturity. This is when he says in verse 14 that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love that we may grow up in all things into him, into him, the word, into him who is the spirit, who is the head, Christ himself. Now we can see that this conformity, that's why I said that victory, victory begins with Jesus Christ for a Christian victory begins with the name of Jesus Christ upon my lips, but that victory is consummated by my Christ-like character. It is this Christ-like the conformity to the likeness of the of the Son of God that intimidates the enemy, that threatens the devil. That's why it is this spiritual growth when we give ourselves this opportunity to come to a, a stature of conformity into the likeness of the son of God that makes us to begin as the as pastor Diana was talking to us that's when we begin to teach principalities a lesson because we begin to speak not as ourselves but we are speaking like him and that conformity is what Paul was talking about I die daily. You die what? I die to myself so that the son of God can be formed in me, so that he can rise in me, so that he lives in me. It's I give him, I I give the son of God um, legal right and authority to, ex- to find expression through me that's why we, our death our daily death um, which is sanctification purification which is conformity to christ-like character must be intentional must be our daily goal it was it must be our daily pursuit we must pursue this every day because that's the place of that's the place of conf- of power our conformity. So the Lord appeared in that vision, not to bore you so long. And then he told me that have you considered the verse that Paul spoke to you in Romans 8:29? Most of us, and I was like, What? Because most of the time we've always loved, and I I for me when I came to Christ, actually, I didn't like Romans 8:28. Um, when I came to Christ, um I came, uh, in 1993, I was led to, uh, I, I I gave my life to Christ at KPC. Pastor Gary Skinner led me to Christ, and he was the one that baptized me, Pastor Gary Skinner, at what, KPC, which is now, today, presently, Watoto Church. Uh, but when I, but it, that is after I had an encounter with the Lord Jesus as a Muslim boy, because I used to say that God doesn't talk the last prophet who was spoken to of course he wasn't even a prophet um but the last prophet was muhammad and the great one that god spoke to and whenever they used to preach to me about this jesus i would tell them Mm telling them that say Allah I had said that Allah is not begotten. Allah has no mother, Allah has no father, and, and, and has no son and nothing else should be added upon Allah. So I was so, I hated Christians. Now during that time when I came to Christ, my mama had just died. About three months and I was in depression and I didn't know it was depression until I did therapeutic counseling. Um, when I did the subject of therapeutic counseling, that's when I discovered actually that I, I was in depression because I was suicidal so after the death of my mom. I decided to take my life. And I made this statement I said, If there is anything that calls itself God, up them clouds there, you come and stop me, what I'm about to do. And uh, it was that night, September the 22nd, 1992, that Jesus appeared to me for seven hours out of this body. And I was shown a video of my lifestyle and how I used to insult Christians. I was one of the guys that disturbed that uh, preacher when he used to preach in Jubilee Park and do crusades. Um, Dr. that when they used to bring them crusades at Jubilee Park back then, they had a place where we used I used to train martial arts and train children of the pastors and other people, even grown-up men. So during that time, I had almost like some street, street children that used to come from the streets. And I used to those vayai, that you uh, the the, the vayai, Some of them were pickpockets, others were not really by reason of. Um, but it's just by reason of uh, a circumstance that they found themselves homeless. Everybody on the street had various reasons why they were on the street. So they found that they used to come for training. I would train them, and um, and then. During that time, I hated Christians because that man, um, uh, Dr. Serada, used to come and compare the Quran and and the Bible, and I hated him for that. So I used to send those boys to disrupt the crusades. So that's how much I hated Christians. At school, I was known for fighting, beating Christians because they're trying to tell me, Jesus, I would get angry when you tell me about Jesus. I didn't want to mention that name in my mouth, even crying you know beat you while you preaching to me. So I said if there is anything that causes self God to come and stop me, that's when Jesus appeared to me. You see to ask Jesus or to me Jesus is not a figment of an imagination but is a reality. He's the person of God. And that twice when he before salvation when he appeared to me and so now in the uh, I, and I lost words because that encounter is long. I've, I think I've shared it before with Pastor Gume on a podcast. But we will find out, I believe, another time with a man of God for that testimony. Because my spiritual father keeps telling me, you need to keep, you need to talk. You you rarely talk your testimony. But I believe that testimony will help a lot of people. Why don't you keep testifying? So. To me, that's why when I worship this Jesus, when I serve him, when I choose to serve this Jesus, I'm not serving him um, with, um, I don't put no expectations, like in terms of materialistic expectations when I serve him. And that has served my life because I remember um, ministering in 20, I had a conference in Las Vegas in 2016. And when I was, after ministering in several churches, there was this um, apostle that was like a mentor to me. He appeared, he was in business. He's a business apostle. He has almost like 250 churches in his network. And uh, he appeared with another business partner. They took me to that Caesar's Palace. You know, um, it's opposite the uh, Trump Towers in Las Vegas. They took me up there and they began to tell me, uh, you know, the way you anointed, you, you don't only speak, but after you've spoken, you're demonstrating the power of God. This is what Las Vegas and America needs. So we want to, um, um, we know we've come up with a project. We want to purchase a building for you. We're going to, um, uh, we, we want to touch you up. We want to, um, they use the term, you know, like, Um. There's there's a term they use that you know like to give you like um I've forgotten what the word is you know like we want to take you for photo shoot ah to to rebrand you we want to to brand you we want to brand you up we want to open up and we want to take you on TV and uh, we want to make sure that um this kind of you all you're gonna do is you you're gonna concentrate on uh, preaching we're gonna get you a house you're gonna be on salary you're gonna have to stay here you'll get even a green card and i'm thinking i'm british why do i need a green card uh, package me thank you my you Now we're gonna package you and all that kind of stuff and i said it's in my heart satan you're a liar and i was like god doesn't set me to do this it sounded so good I said, all you have to do is concentrate on ministry we will handle all the types and the offerings as they come in, you you'll be getting a salary. And I, I looked at these people merchandising and looking at me um, as they were. I mean, as they are <coughs> capital. And I said, "You devil, you're a liar." And I said to myself, "No." Um, after they spoke, I told them plainly before before I spoke plainly before them after eating their dinner. I said, "Listen." I'm, I'm touched that you, so you believe in the grace that I carry, and, and I appreciate that, but God hasn't called me to do that. God has called me in Kenya. so um, And I have a ministry, and I'm not going to leave that ministry and come to here in Las Vegas and uh, do that. However, I have an apostolic call. I can always come and empower the work of Christ, but I'm going back Kenya. They couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe it, then it's okay, okay, okay. Let us go arrange a meeting in Florida. And then in, um, in, in, and then they went to Florida, of course, to Florida. I did the meeting in Florida. And after that, but you could see there were signs. I had several meetings, but only did one. And I could see that the signs were not right because during those meetings in Florida, the first, the first meeting, at, um, the first meeting, I didn't preach it. I preached in the second one because the pastor who owns a school forgot a child. They forgot a child in the in the van, and it was a hundred. Um, it was a hundred. What it was um, like, you know, like um, it was like forty-five degrees. The sun in Miami, Florida. And the boy, by the time they got to remember, they forgot the boy, the, the kid in the van. The kid was already too much dehydrated. By the time they took the kid to the hospital, the kid died. And uh, and I saw all the signs, the Lord telling me, leave. So I, I think I've preached one thing, uh, one someone and I left. But now I want to say to you, why am I saying these things that, even there are things you've walked away from, most of you, for the sake of this Jesus, for the sake of your relationship, for the image. Now I was saying to you, the I hated this scripture in Romans eight twenty eight when I came to Christ. Why? Because somebody, I didn't like the scripture because I was young in the Lord, and um, my mom had just died after that, in, I, I mean, after... My mom had died, and I got an encounter with Jesus Christ. I came to the church, and when I came to the church, this is what happened. This brother told me, Oh, don't worry, brother, all things work together for good. <laughs> I was mad because I was like, So all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to His purpose. I said, no. How is my mom dying, working together for good? Because I was young. I was only like three weeks in the church. And this one told me, don't worry. No things that work for good. I hated that scripture. And I used to ask, but how can things work? And because him, he was saying, had your mom not died, you wouldn't even have attempted to commit suicide and then jesus would not have met you so you see maybe because you loved your mom so much because he knew me maybe your mom would have convinced you not to be born again so the lord allowed that so so things are working for good i hated the scripture i didn't want that scripture but cutting the long story short of course i was immature but now when i had that encounter um recently last year, the Lord Jesus uh tells actually it was 2019 or tw- towards the tw- the end of 2019, not um not 2020 last year. The encounter I'm talking about of Jesus talking to me about the authority. Now, this is when it's said to me, Have you looked at number verse 29? Most of us say, "All oh, things work together for good. to them who love God and accord according to his purposes. But then there is verse 19. <laughs> which talks about that those whom God foreknew, you, yourself, and I, God foreknew you. Those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to do what? When you look, there, it says he predestined us to be conformed into the image or the likeness of his son. So in other words, God's highest goal, my brothers and sisters, men and women of God, God's highest goal for a Christian is conforming to the likeness of his, of his son. God's highest goal for any believer is our conformity into the likeness of his son. So whatever we do to conform to this image, whatever we sacrifice in a pursuit of the image of the son of God, the character, that character of Christ, the character of love, the character of forgiveness. Why do we forgive others? Because I cannot sacrifice my christ-like character at the expense of holding bitterness let i forgive you because i want why do i forgive because i'm pursuing christ i'm pursuing the likeness forgiveness is demonstrating christ likeness loving the unlovable by the way it is when i I separated with my wife and uh, we divorced during that time when we separated most, most of you that don't know yes we are back we got back after six years of separation and divorce we are back you know so but but during that season when we separated and um, that was uh, the first six months i was bitter i was angry you know god is funny then he goes and tells me moses pray for huda pray for huda i said me to pray for huda i said I think I didn't hear that correctly. I said pray, and I was a man of God. Pray for Huda. pray for you? I said, uh, as a Lord, I remember. I remember who? I remember you in Jesus' name. I remember you. When it comes to praying for my children, I was specific. But when it comes to her, I said, Lord, I remember her. I remember her. And said, I did not ask you to remember her. I said, pray for her. Now that's when the Lord it dawned on me. The Lord gave told me. The Holy Spirit spoke to me a statement in my spirit that never left me the same. He t- that's when he began to teach me again the gospel in John 3.16. He taught me, for so I love the world, and I gave my son Jesus Christ. And he asked me, what kind of world did I give Jesus to? The wicked world. And then he asked me, did the world deserve him? Did you deserve my son? I said, no. Then he told me, Moses, then you should understand love and forgiveness are the same. He said, Jesus is my gift of love and forgiveness to an undeserving world. That's when he got to tell me, Moses, forgiveness is not given to those who deserve it. And he told me, even love is not given to those who deserve it. He said, "The reason most of my people fail to forgive is because they think forgiveness is given to someone who deserves it." He said, "Did you deserve Jesus Christ? Did you deserve Him? Who is Jesus? He is God's gift of love and forgiveness to an undeserving world. So, what is?" Then he began to tell me, "What is forgiveness?" I tell you, I had been born again for many years, a preacher for many years. I had never had such a thing. I had never even come to think about that gospel like that. He told me, the gift is my gift of forgiveness to an undeserving world. Then he told me, Moses, forgiveness, forgiveness is a gift of love given to someone who doesn't deserve it. So God forgave you. God forgive me. Did I deserve God's forgiveness? What did I do to deserve it? Okay. When you have offended someone, what do you, what is it that you do? You think you have done to deserve forgiveness. So most of us struggle to forgive because we think somebody has not repented. When God gave us Jesus, the gift of forgiveness and love, had we repented? We were even rebels. He gave it to the rebels. Then he told me, Moses, the administration of love, love is not love until it is administered with the understanding of the author of love himself. I'm pausing for us to think because it was bombarding my head like, I mean, I, I was just sobbing. Love is not You are not loving, you and I are not loving until the love we claim to be administering to others is administered in the understanding of the author himself. Thank you very much, Pastor Boomer. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us, Romans 5, 8, isn't it? While we were still wicked, while we had jumped over the fence. So in a nutshell, love and forgiveness these are given to people who don't deserve it. That's why in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus having taught on the Beatitudes and the longest sermon that chapter, he goes, He says, If you love those who love you, what reward will you receive from your father if you greet those who greet you? If you only hallow those who hallow you, what reward do you have? So, in other words, loving. The love of God is not given to those who deserve it. Love is understood by God that it is love when it is given to those who don't deserve it. Now, you see your husband and wife or your children, you feel you, it is easy to love them. Yeah? It is easy to love them. And you think, but love for God, it is love when it is given to the one who doesn't deserve it. That's why it says even the pagans, the tax collectors, the drunkards, greet fellow drunkards, because those are their mates. But it says if you want to be like your father, your father loves the imperfect. Your father loves rebels. So it is not love until it is given to the one who doesn't deserve it. It's not forgiveness until it is given to the one who does not deserve it. So forgiveness is for those who don't deserve it. Now, I don't know why the Holy Spirit has dwelled so much. He stopped me here and caused me to dwell on that thing while I'm trying to move forward. But uh, this is what I'm trying to say. What I'm saying is this, that why do we love the unlovable? Why do we choose to forgive? Because it is in our forgiveness and expression of love that we demonstrate Christ like character that we are given the opportunity to share in fellowship with Christ. You can't say you're sharing in fellowship with Christ because you are singing. Singing does not mean singing about Jesus doesn't bring you in fellowship with him. It is it is the greatest song is in living it's not sung. The greatest worship is the one that is lived not the one that is sung or spoken. So that's why whatever we do, it says for my sake, to carry the cross, (laughs) it is you do it for Jesus' sake. You forgive for his sake. Why? That's when you demonstrate Christ-like character. Now, God can never forget your labor, your labor of seeking to conform into the image of his son. Because in heaven, we will be rewarded for our Christ-like character. In heaven, we will be rewarded. That is what we call sanctification. Sanctification is a separation. You are separating yourself from something unto him. I separate myself. The reason I am seeking, Jesus said, because I am conforming to him. I'm conforming into his likeness. Jesus loves unity. He loves, he loves the unlovable. If I start, I start to love the unlovable, those people that you look at in the church and say, that one, no, that one is so difficult. Jesus once has never called us to love those who are easy. Love is given to rebels. We love those who don't deserve it. Those who deserve it, there's no reward. Because Jesus says, if you love to love your husband, love your wife and children. Say, those who love you, the brothers and sisters in the church, those who tick your boxes, you know, (laughs) those who tick your boxes, there's no reward. But there is that one, that stubborn one. And that love will lead you to pray, to go on your knees and pray for them, cry out to God. And, you know, that's where the reward is. But guess what? when we envisage the reward because then we are quick to make the commitment will be it is easy to make a commitment what's a commitment commitment is the acceptance of pain as a price that one has to pay towards the price commitment is the acceptance of pain as a price that i have to pay towards the price but one who who is willing to pay the price is because they have envisaged already the price. So Jesus is willing to commit to the cross. As I said, commitment is the acceptance of pain. Jesus is accepting pain. He accepts the pain as a price because he has envisaged the price of Moses, of you and everybody. He sees he has already envisaged the reward. That's why most of us, you go for a certain course and you accept the pain of studying because you have already envisaged the, uh, the, the, the rewards. You see yourself, when I get this qualification, my, my salary will increase. The opportunity you, I will reposition myself for, for many opportunities, for several opportunities by reason of this qualification. And so what does that mean? so that's why you are committing to it's painful to study it's not you're not enjoying the studying but the fruit of studying is what is pushing you so now we should see the same thing why do i forgive why do i when somebody insults me why do i choose to forgive them i choose to forgive them because i'm pursuing. i want to please the lord and i am conforming. Into the likeness of Jesus. Most people say, Lord, I want to be like you. Oh Lord, I want to be like you. Jesus forgives, <laughs> Jesus loves the unlovable. So be careful saying you want to be like Jesus because He will allow, He will allow or permit circumstances for you to demonstrate your Christ-likeness. He will allow circumstances. In most cases, circumstances we find ourselves in. Jesus wants us to demonstrate Christ's likeness. You say, Lord, I want to be like you. Will you be able to forgive the offender? You want to be like him. Jesus tells, Lord, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. This prayer is praying it for his enemies. Those that have, um, you know, forgive these Romans and all these high priests and all the, the rest of them. They don't know what they are doing. Now he calls us to be like him. And that's the authority we command in the realm of the spirit. Because Christ's likeness, that goodness, is what overcomes evil. That's one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians, is goodness. Because it is good. we overcome evil with good. Now, what is good except Christ's likeness? What is good except the, the life of Christ, the nature the nature of Christ in a believer? That is our authority, the nature of Christ in you. That's your authority in the realm of the spirit. And when the devil sees that, he is intimidated. May we be conformed into the likeness of the image of the son of God. And guess what? That's what God rewards. And God will remember your labor of love as you continue to labor to have Christ formed in you and me. Every single day, you need to actually pat yourself on the back anytime somebody insults you and say, I choose to demonstrate Christ-likeness. I forgive them just as Jesus forgave me and consistently has forgiven me. I refuse to harbor bitterness and I refuse to harbor bitterness, emotions of bitterness, anger, hatred, and unforgiveness, and rage within me. I refuse in the name of Jesus. I refuse anything else to distort my image of christ likeness. I will not be, I will not walk like the devil. Praise the name of the Lord. And those are things that God looks at and says, mm, I, I will reward you. Because guess what? Those things release you in the realm of the spirit is what gives you authority. When you say, Satan, get lost. Get out of here. Don't bother me. He says, "Eh, who's speaking? Because you are speaking in your rightful authority. Let me say this as well as um, I come up to wrap up um, briefly about what I'm talking about today, that God will remember you. You are coming on this altar You are giving. Why are you giving? Everything we do, it it should be in demonstrating Christ. When the motive of our giving, of our devotion does not lose focus, but its motive and focus is Christ, it is easier to give. It is easier to serve because I've been given an opportunity to demonstrate christ likeness. Even as a minister, when I serve the children of God, that opportunity to demonstrate Christ's likeness, I will minister to them from the the position of grace and love. Because I'm demonstrating Christ himself. I'm not going to minister to them from the place of just condemnation, but I'm ministering from grace and love because to draw them from where they are, to to see the beauty of this Christ who loves them so dearly and and wants to to transform them to himself, into himself, so that they can come to a place where they are unstoppable and unlimited. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, um, that's what I said, that God knows your investment in the kingdom. It shall not be wasted. God knows your investment in the kingdom and it shall not be wasted. So let us have the right motive to invest into the kingdom of God. Investing is not only money. You invest even as you invest um, in the kingdom through prayers as you come here, through your um, 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 right motive in giving, through reaching out and encouraging others imagine those that uh, god has used to put up this platform you know for all of us to come here and pray together and then we get to hear there are things i don't know myself and then you get to hear other men and women of god preaching it from a different angle because you see jehovah elohim is too big to give his entire revelation to one man look at the bible as a compilation of several people why God gave a piece of his revelation to this woman, to that man, to this little boy, to that one. Why? Because no one individual is capable of holding the entirety of the revelation of Jehovah God. Your head will burst. That's why he entrusts a piece to Pastor Guma, a piece to Apostle. Joyous, a peace to um, um, Pastor Nasasi, a peace to another, a peace to Ronnie, a peace to so a peace to everybody, every one of us, and also like the other time as we were hearing about um, 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 our sister on Friday, praise the name of the Lord. Now, in conclusion of the matter, as, as I'm talking about that, God will remember you. I want you to understand whatever is done with the right motive to express Christ, to promote Christ, God will remember because those works are the works of the spirit. What we do in the flesh is never remembered. Uh, Whatever we do and the motive is not to promote Christ. It is not recorded in heaven. Now somebody will say, okay, prove me. Have you noticed that in in Genesis chapter 15, God had told Abraham, you know, from Genesis chapter 15, we see Abraham and Hagar picked up an idea. Or oh, Hagar, Sarah. Sorry, Sarah picked up an idea that he introduced to um, Abram, and, and Abram and Hagar, and they told them that you know they can you know go into each other and then they give birth to a son because God had delayed. In other words, we were trying, Sarah was trying to help God and take him off the hook, you know. And uh, so basically, what happened there from chapter fifteen, God went silent. For when, from chapter 15, if you study how many years, um, uh, the chapter 15 tells you coming over to chapters, um, sorry, chapter 16, I beg your pardon, chapter 16 of Genesis, God went quiet. That's when this Hagar issue happened, chapter 16 of Genesis. Now coming, the last verses coming from chapter 16 to end, uh, coming to chapters, the beginning of chapter 17, you could see that the abraham i think at that time it was 80 something yeah so you would cut cal- you calculate the years that time chapter 16 coming to chapter 17 god never spoke to abraham anymore there's nothing recorded because what they were doing Hagar in the bible represents the flesh so sarah picked up an idea of the flesh which was a kernel, the of mind it leads to death He says you know You let us, you go into my slave, you sleep with my slave and we get a baby and get God God off the hook. And guess what? God went silent because that was human idea. God had promised, the son of the promise was to come from the loins of Abram and it was between him and Sarah. Now, what do we see? Chapter 17 of Genesis says this. And um, God appears to Abram and tell him, it says like this now, when Abram was 99 years old, God appeared to him and told him, walk before me. <laughs> be blame, walk. He said, be blameless, walk before me and be blameless, then I will fulfill the promise. What does that mean? So 99 and 86, you discover that those are 13 years of God's silence. nothing is recorded in those 13 years we don't know what happened no record of the 13 years God went silent what does that mean? that all the works of the flesh will never be remembered what we do the works we carry out with the wrong motives in the flesh are not remembered they are not recorded in the realm of the spirit that's why you see that it says when Abram was 99 years old he appeared 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am the Lord God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. Then I will fulfill why he was walking in the flesh. Now, look at the last verse, the last few verses of chapter 16, coming to 17. You will discover that there, God, this shows you how many years Abraham had now here. 17, 99, when you minus 99 and the, the other years in, in, in um, chapter 16 conclusion there, you discover 13 years of God's silence, 13, and most of us knows, know that 13 is a number of rebellion in the Bible, in the biblical numerology, 13 is a number of rebellion, and uh, and guess what, So God was quiet what we do in the flesh. So the acts of the flesh are works of rebellion to the works of the spirit. And there, there is no reward. There's no record. Although whatever activities they did, nothing was remembered. So today I'm saying to you that God remember you. I want to give you just one person that God remembered as I close in my remaining four minutes. King Ezekiah was remembered. Good works will go ahead of you. Good works and godly works that are sown with the right motive. They will always go ahead of you and speak for you in the realm of the spirit. The works that we do for God. Are you hearing me? Um, With the right motive. These are the works that go ahead of us. And they have a voice for you in the realm of the spirit. The Bible tells me. In Isaiah chapter 38, verse 1 to 6, the Bible says, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, the prominent prophet, he told him, This is what the Lord says. You set your house in order, for you shall not live but die. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord and said, Remember now. Remember now, O oh Lord, I beseech you how I have walked before you in truth and with a perfect heart. And I have done that which is good in your sight, in your sight. And Ezekiah wept, and Ezekiah wept. There are many people The say, Lord, remember me as you remember the Ezekiah. Ezekiel was not remembered because he turned towards the wall. He had that testimony when he turned towards the wall. What's your testimony? Oh, God, remember me. If some of you may call God to remembrance and you're calling him to open the record of your, you know, there's unrepented sins remain record, open records in the realm of heaven. Can I say that? unrepented sins remain open records of accusation in the realm of the spirit. And you should all know, Roman, I mean, Revelation 12 says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He accuses them. They are night before God. So what, what does he use to accuse? Any lifestyle, any behavior inconsistent with the word of God becomes a, satanic, um, becomes a satanic record that he uses to accuse you before God. How can you prosper? So and so is a tithe banger. This guy steals the tithe. This guy, that one is, that one, how can you, that that brother bucket mouth, you can't bless him. He keeps just speaking things that are inconsistent with what you say. So why? I, you hear what I'm saying? These Not that for God loves you and wants to generously give to you, but there's this accuser that will stand up and say, you are the God who who keeps your word. I wonder how you're going to do this for this wicked guy who has done ABCD. Now, in conclusion, when you turn toward the world, it's not about turning towards the world, but building a testimony that will speak for you in the realm of the spirit. There are certain things that you can counsel out and say, Satan, you are joking. I have never sown such a seed. So whatever you're trying to do, I reject it in the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, "Then the when he turned and reminded the Lord of his walk, how he walked before God in truth and a perfect heart. And he did that which was good in the sight of God. The Bible says, as I close, my time is up. It says, the word of the Lord came to Isaiah saying, go and say to Hezekiah, this is what the Lord God, The God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. And behold, I will add unto you, um, I will add unto your days, 15 years. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend it. Ezekiah cried out to the Lord to remember the labor of his love and his work of righteousness in the kingdom. And God answered him. And added 15 years and cancelled the death sentence that was upon his life. Today, as I leave you, I decree and I declare that nothing shall die in your hands anymore in Jesus' name. I said, nothing shall die in your hands anymore in Jesus' name. So remain blessed. And I declare that your labor of love and righteousness shall be remembered this year in the name of Jesus Christ. I decree and I declare that God is renewing your life and destiny this day in the name of Jesus. Heaven shall open. Your book of remembrance and your divine reward must surely come this year in the name of Jesus. I love you with the love of Jesus Christ.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this sermon and I know you've been blessed. For more information about Shiloh Tabernacle, and other sermons please visit our website www.shiloh.org.uk and don't forget to follow us on all our social media platforms instagram twitter and facebook at shiloh ldn once again that's at shiloh ldn you've been listening to shiloh tabernacle london changing lives building dreams until next time